So uh, this is a little disclaimer. I'm not the pastor. Uh, I, I am on staff. I'm, they call me the DOE Plus. Well, Owen calls me that, but the DOE stands for Director of Engagement. But uh, this morning, I'm a Director of Exhortation because uh, that's what this message is supposed to be. It's supposed to be an exhortation and not a sermon because I am not theologically trained uh, so that you can get out your uh, pens and paper and you can uh, write down anything you think that I mess up. And uh, if you want to exhort me later over coffee or beer, I'm happy to take you up on that offer. So, uh, and also exhortation, maybe you don't know what that word means. It means, it's Greek, it means up in your face. So I get to be up in your face this morning. And um, if you can't handle it, that's okay because this is really for Craig Newcomb. He said it was okay if I just exhorted him publicly. Uh, so this message is for him once again. I did one a few weeks ago, and uh, um, so anyway, that's for him. <clears throat> so yeah, like I mentioned, I'm not theologically trained, so I might not have this this passage completely locked down. Uh, I'm more like farmer's insurance, you know. Uh, I, I know a thing or two because I've seen a thing or two. That's kind of me, all right? And I'm just going to share with you what God is showing me. <clears throat> So, big decision here. I want to announce it. Maybe I should announce it outside. Um, Sam said my sermon wasn't that good last time, uh, that I needed to up my game. So, I need to come out here and be like, Sam, hey, everyone. How you doing? We got a fire pit out here and everything. This place rocks. I love this place. It's really nice out here. We got snacks. Hey, Amelia. Good to see you. So, uh, um, Big announcement, I know you're kind of bated breath here, I just want to make it public that I have decided to go naked, and my wife approves. So when I leave the house, I am totally naked. I have no phone on me whatsoever. How many of you right now have no phone on you? No phone on you. This is the nudity club over here. We are totally naked, no phone. I've decided to leave my phone at home, and all I walk around with is my watch. So I cannot hide in my phone anymore. When I am somewhere, I have to be totally present at that moment. If it's awkward, I can't just like whip it out and look at it. If I'm bored, I just can't whip it out and look at it. It got so bad that I was at the refrigerator filling my <laughs> glass, you know, water with my glass with water. I was so bored, I had to whip out my phone and see what was going on. So I knew I had a problem, okay? Maybe you have a problem. Uh, and uh, you know what? We're just hiding in our phones. But are you tired of hiding? I am tired of hiding. Uh, you know, I'm tired of putting on masks, not just the ones we have to wear to avoid the pandemic, but all the masks we wear. I'm tired of wearing masks. I'm tired of putting on clothes. Some of you maybe understand that. Being, I'm tired of being stylish. I'm tired of being trendy, trying to impress people, trying to say the right thing, looking smart, looking sexy, looking cool, looking like I have it all together. Hiding is exhausting. For some of you, you make it look easy, but it's exhausting. It is so exhausting to hide, but we do it all the time. How do you hide? Think about it. I've been thinking about it a lot. How do you hide? Where do you hide? Do you hide behind your phone? Most of us do at some point or other. Do you hide behind your big screen TV? You're, you just don't want to engage with your kids. You're like, hey kids, why don't we go watch a, you know, a movie? Do you hide behind your words? Lies. When we tell lies, that's hiding. Sarcasm is a way to hide. 
and labels, labels that we wear. We hide behind these big labels because they make us feel comfortable. We hide behind our clothes. So every morning you're getting up and you're putting on clothes, you're hiding. You're hiding behind your 401k. Like, I feel good. I feel good behind that hefty 401k. Uh, humor. Humor is a great way to hide because it's, it's basically, you know, and, and there's other ways to do it besides humor, but you can talk about things so you can avoid not talking about other things, right? Deflecting eyes, that's how we hide. When, we don't want, when it gets too uncomfortable, we deflect. Behind our brilliance and success, we can hide. And this is, this is very common, excuses. We make excuses so we can hide. Why do we hide? Why are we always hiding? Why is that? Well, two reasons. Out of fear and out of shame. So I'm reading this book called The Soul of Shame by Kurt Thompson. He's a uh, neuropsychologist, so he's understanding psychology through the brain, and this is some really deep stuff here. Let me just define fear for you real quick. Fear is, is that you have this, you're, you're exposed as weak. You're just weak. Shame is being exposed that you're not worthy. So if I'm over here, I'm, I'm not hiding behind the pulpit. I'm exposed. I don't like it. I, I feel a little shame. I'm going to come back here. Now I got the pulpit. I feel good. I feel strong. Uh, if I step out here, I'm a little fearful of what people might think. I, I'm going to shrink back here and uh, I'm going I'm to hide. So this is fear and this is shame. Again, fear is that we're being exposed as weak and shame is we're being exposed as unworthy. So what causes shame and fear? Judgment. Judgment. It's everywhere. But we don't want it to be here. So we're going to have, you know, you've ever heard of a gender reveal party? We're going to have a website reveal party right now. So as I throw up this slide, I just want you to be like, woo! Okay, there we go. Let me throw up this slide. That was amazing. You guys are great. So um, this is just a glimpse of our website. It's not the main page. It's not any of that. But it is something that's very important. Church shouldn't be stressful. And then there's some fine print. Let me see if I can read this. <laughs> Whether it's at the grocery store or on social media, it can feel like there's no place free from judgment. And with the rules of engaging with others changing sometimes every day, it can be frustrating to know how to act appropriately. We don't want anyone to have to feel this way at church. And then we get into our, the new normal that should be everyone's normal is an experience with God. But church shouldn't be stressful. This should be like a no-judge zone. You don't feel judged, whether you're wearing a mask or not wearing a mask, whether you're whatever political stance you are, whatever you are, you can just be you. These are my people. I can be me. That's why I love Ironworks so much is I can be me. I'm like an anomaly. I'm like over here and yet I'm still loved. You know, I can be as weird and strange as I am and people still love me. Judgment, though, causes our shame and our fear. And this is why a lot of people re reject God because God judges. And we're like, well, I don't want to be judged. I don't want to be in that. So I'll just cast off God. And then I don't have to feel shame anymore. And I don't have to feel fear anymore if I just get rid of God. Well, the problem with that is our human 
being fellows out there, they're going to judge us. They're going to judge us. We're constantly being judged. Do you have a job? You're constantly being judged at your job. Do you have clients? You're constantly being judged. You will always be judged. There's no escape of it. We are always going to be in shame and in fear. This goes back to Genesis 3, verse 7 through 10. This is not a new problem. This is a huge problem, but it's an old problem from the beginning when Adam and Eve, you know, they took the fruit that they shouldn't have, and what happened? As soon as they did it, they realized that they were naked, and they tried to clothe themselves. They tried to cover themselves. But not only that, this is what happened. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, the man said, I heard a sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So there's two types of hiding going on here, right? So that they, they, they immediately know that they're naked, so that they put on these, um, these fig leaves, and then they also um, hear God's voice, so they come out uh, and they look for trees and shrubs and they try and hide from God. So they're hiding for two reasons. They're hiding because of shame. They know they're not worthy. They know that they, they, you know, they're naked and they're totally exposed. But they're also hiding because they're afraid. What did God promise? He promised, if you eat of this, you shall die. As soon as they ate of it, they didn't die. Now that God's coming, they know it's game over. He's about to execute them. Judgment time. So they're hiding because of fear and they're hiding because of shame. Ever since then, that's all we've known. So if you're not a Christian today, please, afterwards, come up to me and give me the answer of how we're going to deal with this epic problem of shame and fear. The Christian, for you Christian, the answer is we hide with Christ in God, not out of fear or shame, but out of Hope. Would you stand with me as we read from the book that we love? Let's read this together. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them away, put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. So here's my question for you. 
First, it's why do we hide? We answered that. The second question is, why do we hide with Christ in God? And then the third question is going to be, how do we hide in Christ with God? So the second question, why do we hide with Christ in God? Two reasons. Verse 6. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. We hide with Christ in God to avoid the wrath that is coming. Secondly, so we're hiding from the wrath. Secondly, we're hiding to be made worthy. Verse 4. When Christ, who is, at your, who is your life, appears, then you will also will appear with him in glory. So you're hiding from something and you're hiding for something with Christ in God. It's totally different than if you're not a Christian. If you're not a Christian, you don't have this place to hide. All right? So if you are a Christian, if, as it says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, okay, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So this is what I want to focus on. I want to focus on hiding with Christ in God. Now, the wrath of God, no one wants to talk about that. No one wants to hear about it, and, and, but it's a reality that we brought upon ourselves, and we have to deal with it. And here, I'm just going to touch on this. This is not the main part of the sermon, but it talks about some sins here. Uh, so there's sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. So one thing I want to point out here is that, that we, we engage in some sins, but ultimately um, it's not sins against one another. It comes down to how it impacts our relationship with God. So he leads up to hey, there's this, this impurity thing, this passion thing that's going on, and you think it's just between you and yourself or between you and a lover, but it's not. It's between you and God. It comes down to idolatry. We are an adulterous people, and it comes down to that. So I just want to point that out. And then secondly, the, the other list of sins that he comes up with here in verse 8, uh, that we have to do away with our anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. When I first became a Christian... I swore like a sailor, like I was in eighth grade, and I dropped F-bombs all the time, and I didn't care. So I even flipped off my mom one time in a public restaurant. I don't, I don't say that to boast. I, you know, I'm ashamed of it now, but I just cursed. And um, so I, that was, as soon as I became Christian, it was almost like immediately we knew we should stop cursing. Me and my buddy, he became a Christian at the same time as I did. So we... Uh, we said, okay, we need to knock this off. Uh, doesn't glorify God. What are we going to do? Uh, well, we prayed, but we also did something else. We had a contest. Um, so if I said a curse word, Ryan, you were allowed to hit me in the arm for every curse that I said that day. And um, the first few days were pretty painful. And then, uh, then we found that God honored our striving, <laughs> our stupid uh, way of coming about this. He, he honored it, and our spirits transformed our minds. We stopped thinking in curse words. We stopped cursing. We began to have more encouraging and edifying words come out of our mouths. But, you know, it doesn't sound like a big deal, right? Everyone curses. It's not a big deal. Like, you can just drop. It's no big deal. 
But here's the problem. Look at this. This is how it progresses. So you start with anger. We all have anger. We all feel it. But you take it another level, and it goes to wrath. It's a little bit more powerful. You take it another level, and what do you have? Malice. So now you don't just have this feeling. You have something kind of focused that you're about to implement on someone, right? That you are intending to let loose on someone. And then you do. Slander. You rip them a new one. You're like, that person's a jerk. That person, blah, 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 blah. It gets even worse. Obscene talk from your mouth. It sounds like that's no big deal. James said that the tongue, from the tongue comes a host, a world of evil. That our tongues are so evil. It is with this tongue that, that Satan spoke his, his lies to us. These are the lies that we believe. So, just so you know, our sins just don't like hang out and, and like, you know, I can deal with it. No, they get worse. They get progressively worse. And they like attach on to other sins and they just kind of wreak havoc. I just want to highlight that. That's not the main point of the sermon, but this is why the wrath of God is coming because it wreaks evil upon everybody and it destroys lives. So the wrath of God is coming. And because of Christ, we get to hide. We get to hide with Christ in God. We don't have to take the punishment that our sins deserve, right? You've all heard that before, but this is like real, how do we solve the problem of shame and fear and the wrath of God coming upon us? This is how Christ solves the problem for us, that we don't have to take on the wrath. He took on the wrath on the cross. There he is, complete darkness, complete abandonment by the Father, all the sins heaped upon him, thorn for a crown, completely bloodied and crucified, the whole wrath of God upon him. So we didn't have to take it on. But this is the part that I really want us to get excited about, which is hiding with Christ so we can be made worthy in verse 4. This is the awesome part. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So, we um, are looking forward to heaven, you know, we were, where Christ is going to be glorified, and we are thinking about heaven, maybe. I don't know, what is, your, what is the first thing you think about when you think of heaven? Jeff, first thing you think about when you think of heaven? Peace. How about you, Dick? What's the first thing you think about? Peace? Anyone else? What? Joy? Jesus? Anybody think of, yeah, Chrissy. Golden streets. Skateboarding down some golden streets. What else? What do you think of? Cars. Yes, you don't need a driver's license. You just go. Nobody gets hurt when you crash. Yeah. <laughs> you get on the limitless upgrade plan in heaven. I, th I love that. I think that's great. What else? What do you think of when you think of heaven? A banquet. Will it have like tacos, Taco Tuesday? Will that be a thing? Okay. All right. What else? A banquet. Yeah. Seeing God. Paul, you got one? 
That's right. That's right. We'll be, we'll be toasting. We will be with root beer or whatever drinks they have up there. We will, be, we will be toasting and enjoying and celebrating together. Like, let your imaginations loose. Like, you know, just sitting on a cloud, playing an instrument is not, that's not it. I mean, it can be if you want it to be, but it's way more than that. It's driving a car when you're not allowed. It's, it's everything. It's all limitless. We just don't think about it enough. So we don't have glory now. What do we have? We have earth. And earth kind of eh, is meh compared to the glory that's going to be. We don't have glory right now. What do we have? We have the hope of glory. We have the hope of glory. And if you know me, hope is, I love talking about hope, is super powerful. It's not like a little power. You know, there's tornadoes and then there's hope. I mean, it's like super powerful. Hope is like everything that gets done in the world gets done by hope. Hope is amazing. The hope of glory, we see that in uh, Paul's uh, illuminates that for us. And that's the whole theme of our, our Colossians series in one, chapter 1, verse 27, is that we have the hope of glory, which is Christ in us. So we're hiding with Christ, but Christ is in us. He is transforming us to be like him. That's what's happening to you right now, Christian. Christian, like Drew gave us a great example of all these verses that are challenging him and, and saying, this is the reality that I want you to pursue. You are being transformed inwardly. You are being changed. You are becoming into his likeness. So that when he is revealed, you shall see him as he is, and we will be like him. It's going to be glorious. We have the hope of glory. Now, what does this glory look like? First of all, you need to be a sin slayer. Are you a sin slayer? Are you putting to death sin? That is part of your glory. Secondly, you need to be a glory hunter. Are you a glory hunter? It says, for those who are doing good, seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. Not for the mamby-pambies, not for just the mediocres, not just for the average person, but those who seek glory. You're in it for the big haul. This is glory we're talking about. We're not talking about like a little pittance. We're talking about an inheritance that lasts forever. So the hope of glory, this is amazing. And I love it. It's right, it's, it's not in this passage, but what does glory look like for us right now? It's in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 through 14. And I got to experience this because um, all week I was feeling terrible. Like no, I can't explain it. Um, and uh, Owen was over. We were watching The Mandalorian, and afterwards, he's like, I hear you're preaching on Sunday, and I said, exhorting, and, uh, he, and I said, I hope I have enough energy to do it, and uh, <clears throat> on yesterday, I was taking a walk, and I started to feel better, like amazingly different, like markedly different, and I get a text from Owen, hey, I'm praying for you that you would have energy for tomorrow, and I was like, yes. The prayers of a 15-year-old, 16, sorry, are answered. I have energy. I love it. Paul talks about the energy of God, not my energy, God's energy. And this I got to read for you. This is what your life should look like. If your life doesn't look like this, be like Drew and say, I want my life to look like this. We are only the summation, not of our parts, but of our prayers for one another. So I am only as much as you pray for me to be. So I need your prayers. You need to be prayed for. And here it is. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, 
asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Where's your joy? How long has it been since you felt joy? Like laughter joy. I don't know about you, pandemic does not equal joy. <laughs> I can tell some of you don't, you have lost your joy. You need it back. And how do I know? Because I lost mine. And I'm like, I want it back. I want my joy back because Satan is trying to steal it. Not today, Satan. In your face with God's glory, Satan. Okay. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That is so epic. Is your life that epic? I want my life to be that epic. And how do we do it? Well, we have not ceased to pray for you. That's pretty simple. Like Garen said, I'm not feeling very creative lately. I'm not feeling very clever. Just pray. Just pray for each other. Whew. Glory. Hope of glory. I'm excited. So how do we hide with Christ in God? Um, it, Paul gives clarity here. He says two things. Seek the kingdom of God and set your minds on the things above. That little exercise that we did about imagining heaven, we should do that daily. I imagine five impossible things before breakfast. That's what you should be doing. We should be thinking about that. With our kids, we love to, with Vera, Vera, tell us what's heaven going to be like. You were recently there. Um, God sent you down. Um, I don't know if you know this, but kids, you are God's message to your parents. God was like, here, let me whisper a message into you. And then you go down and you tell dad this message of God. That's, they have amazing messages for us that we need to be in tune with. I just, I'm choked up about it just thinking about it. Like Vera's message to me is that God is full of surprises. That's why her, her middle name is Saprice, which is Russian for surprise. God is full of surprises. So imagine with your kids. We are going to imagine something that might not seem uplifting, but, but it says by reading the book of Revelation, you will be blessed. So I, I thought of the best person to read Revelation to us, and that was Shana Land. Could you come up and read? If you want to, you can follow along in uh, Revelation chapter 6. But this will give us the, uh, how epic it is here too, if you want. So just take a moment to set your mind. We're going to practice this. To set your mind on things above. Hi, everybody. Uh, so this is from Revelation 6. Now I watched when the Lamb opened one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures say with a voice like thunder, Come. And I looked, and behold, a white horse. And its rider had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he came out conquering and to conquer. And when he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come, and out came another horse, bright red, 
Its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth so that people should slay one another, and he was given a great sword. When he opened the third seal, I heard the living creature say, Come. And I looked, and behold, a black horse, and its rider had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and wine. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and its rider's name was Death, and Hades followed him. And they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by wild beasts of the earth. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves had been. When he opened the sixth seal, I looked and behold, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth, the full moon became like blood and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a gale. The sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? So, just to wrap up here, um, just to encourage you to the way to live out this passage Paul's talking about in the hope of glory is to read Revelation to your kids and to imagine with them to let them understand, and you to understand that you are part of an epic story. This is not an average story. This is an epic story. And it's full of hope and glory. So as we come to this table, remember this. Sin exposes us to fear. Love exposes us, exposes fear as powerless. Christ's perfect love drives out fear we can experience this perfect love in community with one another in community groups. Sin exposes us to shame. Confession exposes sin to death. God reveals us in glory. And unity in the body of Christ reveals the fullness of Christ, which is the glory of God. Set your mind on things above as we come and take the Lord's Supper.